Now, we're not fans of crypto, but if you are, now's the time to buy. It's on sale. <laughs> mm. So go ahead and get you some crypto. No, we didn't recommend that at all. <laughs> Welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment, where we provide financial information on topics such as investing, insurance, financial planning, and everything related to your money. A quick reminder that the hosts of the show are employees of Mach 1 Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and nothing said in the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach 1 Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed. We upload a brand new podcast every Thursday, so be sure to subscribe to our show so you never miss an episode. Also, follow us on all of our social media platforms. We are Mach 1 Financial Group on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. If you have a question you want us to answer here on the podcast, just send an email to podcast at Mach1FG.com. If you want to learn more about your financial future, you can schedule a free consultation with any of our advisors here at Mach 1 with absolutely no obligation. Just head to Mach1FG.com for more information. Welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment. And a lot of you listeners there have been experiencing the thing we call volatility. Market going up and down, up and down, and more so down. Today, as of our recording right now, the Dow Jones is down over 400 points. So some of you may be getting just a little bit nervous, and therefore our podcast today, and hopefully this will help. And so it's all understandable that, yeah, we do this, and you probably heard all the news. If you've been watching the news on TV or listening to it, all of it's bad. Everything's bad. But we're here to kind of give you some hope. For those of you that may not have heard some of this bad news, take a listen to some of these. As we can see, it is a bloodbath today. The Nasdaq down more than two and a half percent now, now about 2.6 percent. Anywhere you look right now, it appears to be risk off sentiment. The Nasdaq is down 12 percent year to date. The S&P 500 could fall below the 200 day moving average today. And the selling has just intensified on Wall Street. The Nasdaq now down into that correction territory and people wondering if this is the end of the pain or if there's more to come. So what's it market like right now while we're recording this podcast? David, you want to kind of tell us what's going well, on? You kind of hit it in the lead in, Mike. I mean, it's been volatile lately. Since roughly the 1st of January, we've seen a little bit uh, more than a 10% sell-off or correction in the major market indices, again, since the first of the year. Um, it should also be noted, though, and we're going to talk a lot about this during today's podcast, that 10% corrections in the market happen with regularity. I think part of the problem that we're all dealing with right now, both advisors and clients, is that we've been kind of lulled into this sense of security, or you might even say lulled to sleep by the market, because it's been pretty much since the lows of March of 2020, after the COVID shutdown, the market has just gone up, you know, pretty much straight up with with very low and very little volatility. And so this 10% correction feels huge because we haven't had one in a while and because we've had such a large run-up. Dave, let me jump on what you just said there about the COVID in 2020 when the market dropped 30% in 22 days, the fastest drop since the Great Depression. I mean, we were having some of these very same discussions during that period of time. People getting nervous and what's going to happen? What's... And shortly thereafter, what happened? Eli, you're, you're fairly new. What happened right after the pandemic? Well, it came right back. It, it came right back. Now, we don't feel that sitting here today when knowing the market's down. Now it's down 500 points. Uh, but so, David, what is someone supposed to do? Well, 
you know, we're, we're going to talk about this more in a moment too, but our philosophy has always been to be hedged, right? Especially if you're in or near retirement, because uh, just to give you an analogy, you probably heard it before. If you listen to our podcast or any of our materials uh, in a while, we compare hedging to an insurance policy. You wouldn't think of owning your home, for example, and not having it insured against the risk of getting hit by a tornado or a flood or a fire. Our philosophy is you shouldn't have money invested in the market and not have it hedged against major market crashes. Now, I just said a minute ago, though, that the 10% corrections are kind of run of the mill. It should be noted, and everybody should understand, if you're a client of ours, that we don't even really hedge against the 10% corrections because if we hedged against you know, a 10% correction, the cost of that hedging would be so high that you would never make anything on your accounts. So, David, uh, what you're liking that to is uh, your homeowner's insurance. If you had a zero deductible, right. you'd be paying extreme premiums right. on something that may not happen or may not cost you much. Right. So, so that's why we don't hedge on that first percentage. That's right, um, because we don't want to wash out. When the market is good, we don't want to wash out the gains from the market going up by the the drag from the hedge, which is exactly what would happen if we were, you know, always hedging to zero risk on, on accounts. Mm-hmm. You, you know, the old saying, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained, no risk, no reward. Well, if we hedge the account so tight that there was no risk, there would also be no reward. There you go. And on, on top of that, we, we want to stay hedged, but we also don't want to sell off. Because yes. when we've seen these 10% market corrections, historically, just like we talked about with the coronavirus example, it's come right back. And if you sell off right around that 10%, somewhere when, it, when it's still dropping, you're never able to capture the gains of the days right after. And Mike was nice enough to, to print off some statistics. If you miss the top 10 days in the last 20 years, if you miss the top 10 days each year, you would only return negative 0.65%. So you would be losing money if you miss the top 10 days in the last 20 years. And if we're going to miss those, that's going to be a substantial burden. So Eli, do you know when the top 10 days are going to be? <laughs> <laughs> I hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course not. We can't know in advance, which I think that's another benefit of our philosophy of always being hedged. Hopefully the hedging gives you the peace of mind to Mm -hmm. stay in there and not feel like you've got to try to time the market, which is impossible to do because to your point, you know, the whole, that whole uh, statistic you just quoted about Mm -hmm. how impactful it is to miss the best 10 days or whatever. um, Since you can't know in advance when those are going to be, it it's to in your best interest to stay, to stay invested and not Mm -hmm. try to time the market because for market timing to work out, you got to get it right every single time. You got to get it right on when you get out. Mm-hmm. You got to get it right again on when you get back in, meaning the market. You had to correctly call the top or near the top, and you had to correctly call the bottom or near the bottom. And you got to do that every single time uh, for that to work out. And there's no human being on earth that can do that. Let me give you an example of that, David. I happen to know this individual. They got out during the pandemic, not the bottom. After it came back and then it kind of wiggled a little bit, they got out. And it was about, S&P was about 24.88. As of this morning, the S&P was at 43.16. That's a 73% increase they've missed out on because they've been sitting in cash. Mm. Right. And the problem that 
you know, trying to time the market presents is because, you know, when, when the market was dropping and they got out, maybe they did miss some of the downturn. I'm sure they probably felt pretty good. Like, Hey, whew, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I'm not in there. And then the market bottoms out and it starts coming up and you start second guessing yourself and saying, well, is this just a head fake? Is the market really done? Is it going to keep going up or is it just going to, you know, kind of temporarily fake us out before it starts going back down again. And so you just keep waiting and waiting and telling yourself, no, nah, this is just, this is not real. This is not real. Even as you sit there and miss 73% gains. And your point is right. You got to be right twice when to get out and when to get in. And then if, if you are watching it go up and up, you're saying, well, it's, it's bound to drop. Right. It's bound to drop. Yeah. It's just so getting more just expensive. Wait for the, yeah. So Dave, let's talk about the fundamentals of the market. I mean, we, we see the market doing all these gyrations, but fundamentally, is it still a sound market? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you still see, I mean, just look around anecdotally. Look at every restaurant you go into, you see people spending money. Um, the housing market is still going crazy, you, and that's a major, major source of consumer spending. We just did a podcast last week about demographic forces and the long-term impact that has on the market. We're still in the middle of that echo boom effect that we talked about last week if you don't know know what i'm talking about make sure you check out last week's podcast for more information on that so yeah to answer your question mike um fundamentally the the fundamentals are still sound so we inflation is up and inflation is a, a function of more money chasing fewer goods so there's demand well there's people are making more money according to the bureau of labor statistics uh, in, salaries are up at least 3.7 percent last year so people are making more money. They're spending more money after fewer things, so inflation is going up. So the fundamentals are there for the market to continue. And by the way, you know, the market's down a huge amount this morning, but guess what? There are some stocks that are up. Would yep. you like to know what they are, David? Well, sure. And Eli. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, let me just tell you. Macy's. What does Macy's do? Retail clothing and re retail. Department store. Department people are in store. there spending money. How about Dollar Tree? Uh, yeah. Groceries. Uh, yeah. It's retail. Up. Retail. The yeah. Gap. Another retail store, it's up. There's a CF Industries, which makes agricultural products for people farming. It's up. T-Mobile's up. People are spending money. Well, you know what? There are some that are down. You'd like to know which ones are down the most, Eli? Mm -hmm. I'll be happy to tell you. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Netflix is down. Well, why would, that, why would Netflix be down? Maybe more people are going to work and not staying home watching as much. Maybe. Moderna is down. All those shots they've made you get. Maybe we're at 15 shots is going to be enough. They don't need them anymore. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, uh, as the pandemic wanes, you're going to need less of that. Yep. So there are some nuggets in here. You know, Warren Buffett has a famous quote that says, be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. Well, there's a lot of fear out there in the market. So if you can find those nuggets, today will be a great day to invest. Eli, young guy, you probably know all about this. What's, what's cryptocurrency doing today? Well, it, it's taken its steepest decline in, what, two years? or It's, it's taken a significant decline today. It's, it's half its all-time high price today, in half. Now, we're not fans of crypto, but if you are, now's the time to buy. It's on sale. <laughs> mm -hmm. So go ahead and get you some crypto. No, we didn't recommend that at all. <laughs> okay, so historically... The stock market, when it goes through these things, David, what happens afterwards? Well, it, it obviously uh, historically always rebounds and comes back. But I want people to understand fundamentally the reason why that is. I mean, if you think about it, 
the same uh, economic forces of supply and demand that affect the price of everything else that you buy also affects the price of stocks in the stock market. So in other words, when the inevitable uh, bad news hits the market and people start to get fearful, people tend to move in herds for whatever reason. I, I don't understand all the reasons why, but for whatever reason, people tend to get fearful all at the same time, like a herd of cattle, you know, or a herd of wildebeest, you might say, <laughs> you know, uh, running away from their predator. Uh, so there's when there gets fear in the market, when fear gets into the market and you start to see a sell-off, the people who are the most fearful start to sell. And and eventually what happens is the people who, who were going to sell, who have the least amount of, you might say, fortitude uh, to stick with their investment strategy, they sell off what they're going to sell. There's no more sellers, well, or at least there's fewer sellers relative to buyers left in the market at that point. It's what we call equilibrium, or some people call it the point of capitulation, where you know, everybody that's going to sell has sold off. The market hits that dip. And now there's more buyers than there are sellers in the market. Also, what happens as, as stocks get sold off, uh, there, there becomes more value present or, or uh, apparent, you might say, in certain stocks where people say, hey, like you just said with crypto, even though that's not, as you know, that's not what something I agree with. But you might look at that and say, hey, it's cheaper than it's ever been I'm, or than it's been in a long time this is a good point to, at which to buy. And so buyers start to overcome the sellers and the price starts to go up because of supply and demand. And last year we had an example of that herd mentality with GameStop. Yeah. There was nothing fundamentally saying this stock was worth this price. It was just everybody started rushing after it and drove the price up. Irrational, which may be what's happening today. Yeah, I mean, I think part of what's happening right now is because we kind of alluded to this earlier, because there's been such a big run-up since the low in March of 2020 after the COVID shutdown, the market like pretty much almost doubled in value from that low in like a year or a year and a half. And so we're having, I would argue, kind of a necessary healthy correction to kind of offset, uh, um, to kind of prevent the market from getting too far out over its skis, you might say. Now is not the time to panic. If you have a plan in place, if you work with Mach 1, you have a plan. And we're always hedged. We're always invested. So you're, you're in a good spot. So, Dave, let's talk about short-term versus long-term investing. I think we, we have a chart here that we're looking at that says if you've been invested for a year, how often in any year's time would you have lost money versus made money? So um, for those of you watching the video, version of this podcast you can see the data on the on the board for those of you just listening i'll just read it but in a over a one-year period of time uh 73 percent of the time the market goes up 27 percent of the time it's going down and david the time frames we're talking about is going all the way back to 1926 through 2019 we have a long sample here so you're saying if I stayed invested over a one-year period of time, 73% of the time, I would make money. You would, yes, uh, based on historical trends over that period of time, yes. Okay, well, 73% 70, of the time, the majority of the stocks are going up. Over a five-year period of time, it's even better. 87% of the time, it's up. 13% of the time, it's down. And that's a lot of reasons why when we talked about people when they're investing, we ask them how long are they going to put this money away keep it invested. If it's less than five years, we talk about that needs to be savings. Because if you have it in five years or more, 
87 plus percent of the time, you're going to be a positive return. So that if you need money short term, you shouldn't be in the market, period. But right. if you're long term, then you're going to look back on this last couple of weeks as a blip. It's like, okay, just like we're talking about 2020. Yeah, that was a blip. Yeah, right. It went down, came back. Right. We fully expect this to do the same. Now, we don't have a crystal ball, but historically, it tells us it will. How about 15 years, David? If I'm invested 15 years, am I going to make money? And over 15 years, it's 100%. That's 100% up. That's, that's pretty solid, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Eli, you need to put your money away for at least 15 years. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and if you, if you think about that in short term versus long term, we, we build the plans so that in retirement, you have money that is specifically safe and meant for short term. So that is our plan. If, if you want to sell today, you're, you're going against the plan, and it's not going to return in the way that we expect it to perform. So keeping, keeping money invested for the long term. Yeah, we, we saw, when we're, to Eli's point, when we're working on a retirement problem for someone who's in or near retirement, we, we want to solve the income problem first. So what do I mean by that? Well, if you've got, let's say you've got a pension and Social Security and those two sources of income are more than enough to satisfy your monthly budgeting needs, well, in that case, then, then you're good. You've already got your income need met. But let's say that you're like most retirees and you don't have a pension, you've just got Social Security, we would typically purchase an annuity to fulfill the income, to fill that income gap, as we call it, to make sure that we've got your monthly needs met. Then everything else could be invested in a longer-term growth strategy so that you're not um, – so that you're not bit by the inevitable, you know, short-term corrections that are going to happen from time to time in the market. But even there, um, I will tell you that, you know, we typically use hedging. You, you hear about that a lot if, you listen to, if you've listened to us for a while. Um, because, uh, you know, human emotion, fear is a real thing. And so when uh, a market goes down 10 or 20 or 30 percent, even if you know that you've got your income needs met, uh, a lot of retirees get into this mindset of thinking, yeah, but I don't have the years left to earn and recover and make that back if the market doesn't come back. You, you start to get in this mentality that when things get bad, they're always going to stay bad. And that's not true. Just like it's not true that when things are going good, they're not going to stay good. Things go in cycles. So I say all that to say the reason why we think it's important to hedge is to make it easier to allow people to stick to that long-term plan because the way we hedge if the market does drop 20 or 30 percent or more we would realistically probably see you know maybe 50 percent of that downward move of the market so stay in hedge so let's put a bow on this so yet the market's going crazy but don't panic the only people dave ramsey quote says the only people get hurt on a roller coaster are the ones that jump off so we're, we're going we're going to ride this through if you've worked with us you have a plan we know these things come and go but you got to stay invested. Eli shared 